Looks like everyone's here, so we'll go ahead and get started a little early. All right, so we're going to spend at least a couple weeks on Zechariah, and just to give you kind of um, an outline for the book, it's kind of an unusual book. Just look at um, the subjects here, all these visions. Visions of four horses, four horns, visions of a measuring line. Uh, we need to talk about this one, a vision on Joshua, Satan, and the angel of the Lord. A vision of lampstand to olive trees, vision of a flying scroll, vision of a woman in the basket, vision of four chariots. It's kind of a, seems like a little bit of a mini revelation book with all of these uh, kind of spectacular images here. Um, uh, um, there's a section about the future king, uh, interesting description of two shepherds in the end of the book, and then uh, future Jerusalem. Okay, so we're going to actually spend all of our time here on Zechariah 7 and a little bit Zechariah 8, because I think it's really important. It, basically, we kind of get the bottom line. This is what happened. This is the reason for the exile. And it just seems relevant, at least seemed relevant um, to me for, for our world today. All right, let's pray as we begin. <clears throat> Father, please come close to each person here just now. Help us as we um, think about this section in Zechariah that uh, this is... Uh, relevant, somehow applies to our daily life. And once again, please help to restore our trust in you. Help us to see how you're working in each one of our lives today. Amen. Okay, so here's the passage here in uh, Zechariah 7. Remember, Zechariah and Haggai, they're the prophets that are encouraging the people, come back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. Okay, so they're trying to kind of build things up again from uh, the Babylonian captivity. In the fourth year that Darius was emperor, the Lord gave me a message. The people of Bethel had sent their men to the temple of the Lord Almighty to pray for the Lord's blessing and to ask the priests and the prophets this question. Should we continue to mourn because of the destruction of the temple by fasting in the fifth month as we have done for so many years now? And this is the message of the Lord that came to me. He said, tell the people of the land and the priests, that when they fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month during these 70 years, remember that's how long the captivity was, it was not in honor of me. And when they ate and drank, it was for their own satisfaction. So the people, you know, should we keep on fasting? And uh, God would seem to suggest, you know what, this was really not a genuine thing from the beginning. You were just kind of doing it for yourself. And then he would go on, isn't this the same message The Lord said through the earlier prophets at the time when Jerusalem was prosperous and filled with people and so on. And so, uh, again, the people would seem are sincerely asking, hey, should we keep fasting? And God would say, you know what, this was really uh, not genuine. You were just doing this for yourself. And isn't this the message that you've been getting all along? Okay, what does this really mean? I like the message uh, translation of this here. Uh, Paraphrase. That when you held days, the fasting, all these 70 years, were you doing it for me? And when you held feasts, was that for me? Hardly. You're interested in religion. I'm interested in people. And I think that is kind of the message here. The, the people, it's, it's about ceremony. It's about religion. It's about a, you know, me and, and what I'm doing and feeling good about what I'm doing um, for God. And God would say, you know what, that's, that's just all religious um, kind of stuff. What's really important is people. 
And we need to read on the passage here to, to clarify that that really is, is the subject here. Because as we read on, the Lord spoke his word to Zechariah. He said, in contrast to all of that, the fasting and all these religious ceremonies, this is what the Lord of Almighty says. Administer real justice and be compassionate and kind to each other. Don't oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and poor people. And don't even think of doing evil to each other. Okay, this would time people are coming with one question, and God seems to be saying, No, this is what I'm really after. Administer real justice. Now, do we associate the word justice with the description as it goes on here? Is this what real justice looks like? Be compassionate and kind to each other. Don't oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, poor people. Don't do evil to each other. Okay, so our subject here is uh, justice which is, I think, a real important subject. So, it's reading on. But my people stubbornly refused to listen okay, to, to that message. They closed their minds and made their hearts as hard as rock. And because they would not listen to the teaching, which I sent through the prophets who lived long ago, I became very angry. Because they did not listen when I spoke, I did not answer when they prayed. Like a storm, I swept them away to live in foreign countries. This good land was left a desolate place with no one living in it. So this is kind of a, a condensed, it would seem, a, a bottom-line description of, you want to know what happened about the exile? Uh, well, here's a good opportunity. You're coming asking about performing religious duties, fasting, and so on. And this is what I really want. Real justice. Be compassionate. Take care of the outcasts of society, the widows, the orphans, the poor. Uh, this is what you've neglected. You know, you've done a lot of the religious duties, but not the things that are really important. And again, uh, several times. This is what the prophets have been saying all along. Okay, so again, they didn't listen to what? And I would say it is this uh, administering of real justice, which is to be compassionate and kind, uh, kind to each other. It's how we treat people, especially the people that are being abused, especially the people on the outcasts of society. And... It has, again, to do with primarily our relationship with other people, how we're treating them. Okay, so this theme here, um, it, it runs so much through the Old Testament. And so the message about justice, and again, I would say that the emphasis here was on a religious duty, my own private, uh, me and God, what I'm doing, fasting, to the great neglect of how we treat other people, especially those who are being mistreated. So the subject of God's um, justice, um, I, if some of you are here when we went through the subject of God's wrath, um, if, I think if we're going to approach any kind of a big subject like this, we need to try as much as possible to look at what the entire Bible has to say on the subject, not just a passage here and there, and, and see if we can put it all together. Um, we tend to associate justice in the Bible with um, a legal transaction, a courtroom setting. Uh, we tend to associate justice, and again, I'm, I'm not making a political point here, but this is just, I think, this is what I'd associate with justice for a long time. George Bush will bring the terrorists to justice. What do we associate justice with there? It's, it's an appropriate punishment. Okay, Is punishment, is the word punishment a good substitution for the, the subject of God's justice? Is, is is punishment and justice, is that really 
what, what were the biblical concept of justice refers to. So what is God's justice? <clears throat> and, um, you know, Google search God's justice. At least it gives you an idea about what seems to be the general thought about God's justice. I left off the reference here, but um, page after page, this seems to be, this is generally what many perceive to be God's justice. Here's one description. God is love, but God also punishes the sinner and hates all who do iniquity. God is not one-sided. He is not simply an infinitely loving God. He is also infinitely just. He must deal with sin. He must punish the sinner. Okay, so the interpretation here is justice is equated, God's justice is equated with God needing to punish to an appropriate degree for those um, that have sinned. And so, again, um, is this really the concept of justice that we get in the Bible? And uh, when we talked about God's wrath, I said, is we just look up wrath in the dictionary? Is that the best way to understand a subject like God's wrath, God's justice? And I would say, no, the best way is let's just pull up every reference to this, um, whatever it is we're, we're looking up, let's read around it, get the context, and then put it all together as a big picture. Let's allow the Bible to define what it means by these terms. Okay, so again, our passage here is, is this justice here in Zechariah? How we treat people, is this the best way to define God's justice? Well, in the next chapter, we have another section that talks about justice. Zechariah 8, these are the things you should do. Speak the truth to one another. In the courts, give real justice, the kind that brings peace. Do not plan ways of harming one another. Do not give false testimony under oath. I hate lying, injustice, and violence. So the justice here has to do with making peace. It has to do with correcting injustice, violence, Okay, so it, it's similar, it's, it's in harmony with what we read in Zechariah 7. So um, basically, I went through, I looked up every reference to justice um, in the Old Testament, and I'm just pulling out some of the, 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 the key passages, but I would say the overwhelming majority are fit in line with uh, these two chapters in Zechariah. Let me just list a few. Psalms 82, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Okay, to do justice, this obviously would not mean punish the afflicted and needy. To do justice to the afflicted and needy is to, again, we're defending the outcasts. We're defending those who don't have rights. We're defending the abused. Okay, that's that's what the meaning here of doing justice to those people. You'd want actually want to be on the receiving end of justice in this passage. Okay, but about Isaiah 1, <clears throat> wash yourselves clean, stop all this evil that I see you doing. Yes, stop doing evil and learn to do right. See that justice is done. Okay, and again, what does justice look like? Help those who are oppressed, give orphans their rights, defend widows. It's so re- repetitive on this concept. It's always the outcast. When we talk about justice, it is to correct the injustice that's being done to those who are, uh, in this case, being abused. Jeremiah 21, this is what the Lord says to the dynasty of David. Give justice each morning to the people you judge. Okay, again, to who? Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Again, it is correcting injustice. It's intervening in appropriate ways with 
compassion, with mercy, um, to a certain group of people. Isaiah 30, the Lord is waiting to be kind to you. He rises to have compassion on you. The Lord is a God of justice. Again, God's justice in this context, what does it mean? He's waiting to be kind to you. He rises to have compassion on you. The the justice of God, it's it's something we we want to be on the receiving end of. Ezekiel 45, for this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Enough, you princes of Israel, stop your violence and oppression and do what is just and right. Quit robbing and cheating my people out of their land. Stop expelling them from their homes, says the Sovereign Lord. So again, to do, it is uh, the people in power, here the princes, that the justice involves stopping violence and oppression. Quit robbing, cheating people out of their land. Stop expelling them from their homes. Um, that is justice. Okay, and a few more. You're familiar with this one here in Micah 6. The Lord has told us what is good. What he requires of us is this, to do what is just, to show constant love, to live in humble fellowship with our God. So justice here is not in contrast to these other things. Here, to do what is just is to show constant love in the world, to live in humble fellowship with God. Um, helps to kind of round out our understanding here of justice. So there are two, um, all of these passages here, if you're looking up the Hebrew uh, word for justice, there are two words which can be translated as either justice or righteousness, tzedakah or mishpat. And um, so, and oftentimes they're used together as they are in Jeremiah 22, act with justice and righteousness. Again, what does justice and righteousness look like? Deliver and deliver from the hand of the oppressor anyone who has been robbed, and do no wrong or violence. Justice in the Old Testament, we don't associate it with violence. We prevent violence. Now, that might involve locking up criminals, okay? but it's, it's, we're protecting them from people. Do no wrong or violence to the alien, the orphan, the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place. Okay, and uh, this uh, word here, sedeka, for um, justice, is uh, still something if you just look up uh, charities, for example, in, um, in Judaism. Uh, I found this from a Jewish uh, website that is a charity, and they talk about uh, their, their mission, and they use this word. The gist of sedeka, that Hebrew word for justice, is charity, the giving of your time or money to help someone else without expecting something in return. It is one of the cornerstones of the Jewish religion. Okay, and, and this should be one of the cornerstones of the Christian religion also. We take all of that Old Testament about justice, and uh, this is uh, wonderful to have a charity with that as, as a theme. So this is uh, from a really good book here by Frank Lowenberg, From Charity to Social Justice, and he kind of uh, puts all of this together about uh, this justice in the Old Testament. Jewish kings were commanded to practice Mishpat and Sedeka. The literal translation of this term is justice and righteousness, or justice and charity. Classical as well as modern commentators agree that this command does not refer to courtroom justice and charity, but to social justice. The major wrongdoing to which the prophets objected was not the perversion of the judicial process, but oppression and exploitation of the poor by the political elite and the wealthy classes. One modern political scientist wrote, the execution of righteousness and justice in the royal domain refers primarily to acts on behalf of the poor and less fortunate classes of the people. 
This policy was implemented primarily by means of social legislation rather than by court judgments. The idea or ideal of social justice has a long history in Judaism. Okay, so what we'll kind of consider is, you know, we, we read about justice in the New Testament. Are we talking about the same thing? Okay, or did justice take on a, a completely different understanding when we read about it in Romans and, and in other places? Okay, so on that, that point here, which was oppression and exploitation of the poor by the political elite and the wealthy classes, um, as all of you know, there's, there's been this um, um, dramatic uh, kind of a distribution of, of wealth here that's happened over quite some time um, in this country. And I found this quite amazing. This is 2006 data. This column refers only to the top 0.01% of incomes. And so these are people making, back in 2006, $17 million per year. And we're looking here at growth. Which, which classes are growing the most in income? And you can see these very high top-end earners here are, have the highest rate of growth, 22%. This is, this is only the top 1%. Okay, so we have a high growth in the 0.01 to 0.1, 0.5 to 0.1. So, and, and we look down here, of course, we get to the, you know, the bottom 90% and, and income's going down. So, um, the, undeniably, there is, you know, a, an accumulation of wealth that seems to be going to the very highest um, earners. And so, is there oppression and exploitation um, as, as kind of a consequence of that? Well, I think I encourage some of you to read. Actually, no, one of you told me that I should watch this documentary a few weeks ago. And uh, I've watched it twice now. It's, it's really good. Uh, inside Job. If you have a chance, you can probably YouTube most of this. Uh, but it's a really an excellent movie that talked about the uh, economic collapse in 2008 and the things that um, kind of related to that. And I think, uh, I think it's really undeniable that, that there is predation, exploitation, um, that, that was really a part of, of that whole uh, economic uh, fiasco that, again, I think relates to what we're talking about here in Zechariah. Now, this is, I'm sorry to depress you, but this is talking about, I hope you didn't go into uh, medical school to become rich, because if we just look at here, uh, student loan debt here, this is through college, medical school, residency. Uh, this was a, an article I read just this week that talked about how difficult it is for, for doctors today, because um, you know, by the time you're making a, a decent income, you've got this debt, so you're paying higher taxes on a higher income, and so it, it just becomes really hard to, to catch up. But that's not why you became doctors, right? And um, so I think uh, if some of you know Scott Nelson, who is an orthopedic surgeon that graduated from Loma Linda, <clears throat> what encourages me so much about uh, working with Loma Linda students is how many of you have an interest in mission work, and um, a high percentage of students. Um, I think I've heard Dr. Hart say uh, more here than in all of the other medical schools combined that end up, uh, Dr. Nelson is uh, working in Haiti, was very active after the earthquake uh, a couple of years ago. And if what we've said about justice in the Old Testament is a true uh, definition, then this is justice in action. Okay, we're taking care of these kinds of people. I mean, you can do mission work as a physician in America as well. Of course, you're taking care of the of, uh, people who often are in a, a horrible situation. All right, but again, I would like to maybe put this. This is our picture of what justice looks like in our world today. 
Okay, and we still use this term, right? What have we done here? This is a document that has been justified. Okay, did we punish the word document? I know we've set it right. We've aligned it. Okay, and so justice here in the Bible, we are making things right. We're setting things right. Okay, we can still see justice in, in that kind of a, of a way, not, not merely equating it with an appropriate punishment. So the Bible does, if you, if you look up again all those references to justice, you will see uh, some verses like this in Jeremiah 30. I will discipline you, but with justice. I cannot let you go unpunished. <clears throat> now, the, the, the real question is here, I think if we get down to the root of what, what's important here with regards to justice is, um, does, God, um, does God's justice involve a retributive punishment? This verse is, involves discipline. And, you know, a parent will discipline if, you have, if your teenager <clears throat> is watching something inappropriate on the Internet. Okay, as a good parent, you will punish. But the punishment is really a discipline, isn't it? You're, you're trying to get your child to change what they're doing. So you will punish. It's the only loving thing to do. Okay, because you need to, um, you need to correct something that's harmful for your child. So unquestionably, we see God punishing. But is it a retributive punishment? And I'm, I'm not aware of any passage in scripture that describes a retributive, for just purely for the purpose of a painful punishment imposed. God's punishment involves uh, discipline. It, it's for our good. It's corrective. It's for uh, uh, the purpose of healing. <clears throat> so I would just make the claim here that God's justice, as defined in the Bible, uh, does not involve a what's known as a quid pro quo payback justice. This is the eye for an eye uh, justice. Okay, we talked a lot about why there ever was a time for an eye for an eye in the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus said, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, but no longer. And that this, we read God's justice, it is not that type of justice. Uh, I would make the claim that uh, God's justice is not retributive, or even that it's primarily involved with legal justice and setting things right in terms of a ledger or a legal account that at least... Again, looking up all those references to justice, this is not the subject of God's justice. So our question is here, we moved to the New Testament. Can we still carry over this, this definition of what we're talking about with God's justice? So let's read where we find justice here in the Gospels. Matthew 23. Jesus would say, How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give to God one-tenth, even of the seasoning herbs such as mint, dill, but you neglect to obey the really important teachings of the law, such as justice and mercy and honesty. These you should practice without neglecting the others. Isn't this very similar to Zechariah? What are they doing? Being very careful with religious ceremony, tithing, even to tithe the seeds. I mean, really, uh, you know, doing things that are part of religious ceremony, but what are they neglecting? The really important teachings of the law. What are the really important teachings of the law? Such as justice, mercy, honesty. Okay, were the, was the religious class in Jesus' time, were they abusive to the poor, the outcasts of society, this group? Um, very much. And remember how offended they were at Jesus because he seemed to hang out with these people. Okay, because he healed lepers who just, if you're a leper, by definition, you're cursed by God. So we can't be healing those people, the blind, and so on. It, it was very offensive to them. 
that, um, that, that he would seem to take an interest in those people. And so Jesus is essentially saying is, uh, you've got it all wrong. You're all about religion, but not about living in a way uh, that is really uh, meaningful in the world. Okay, now here Matthew quotes from the Old Testament about Jesus. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he leads justice to victory. You know, if we take the accumulating evidence about what is all of this justice, could we say, until he leads loving restoration to victory, reconciliation um, to victory? Okay, I think our Old Testament conception of justice is, is really um, helps to explain how Jesus leads justice to victory. So again, the, the justice Jesus style is defending those who uh, were not being defended. It was healing the sick, lepers, blind, and deaf. That is God's justice in action. It is eating with sinners and tax collectors, feeding the 5,000, and we could go on and on and on. That is, we see justice personified in Jesus. And again, the people, Jesus' first sermon, Sermon on the Mount, everyone's gathered together. This is really, he's saying, this is my platform. This is what my kingdom is all about. And his first words here, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we read the translation in Luke, blessed are the poor, the kingdom of God is yours. And how offensive this was to uh, the leadership in this time. Blessed are the poor, okay, blessed are the meek. Remember, their idea was if you're rich, by definition, you're blessed by God. If you're poor, if you're sick, by definition, you're cursed by God. And so it would make really no sense in that time to start out this big sermon, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, okay? Because they just don't fit in that category. Okay, now we get to some theology here, and I'm not going to talk much about this, but we get into justice in uh, uh, the letters of Paul. And um, again, we, we need to take the Bible as a whole. So I'll just read this passage here in Romans 3. It's probably one of the most um, controversial uh, passages in Scripture that, that people write and talk a lot about, okay, about the death of Jesus. Romans 3.25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Could we say atonement? Through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies. Got to underline that one those who have faith in Jesus. So again, what does this mean? Um, we, again, if we're associating justice with punishment, if we're associating justice primarily with a legal correction, um, we will read this passage in a certain way. I think if we, if we perhaps take in a larger picture of what the Bible is talking about in justice, it, it, it really adds a different dimension. There's only one Greek word here, that can either be translated as justice or righteousness. And so if we read other translations, that was the NIV. Uh, here's the, the today's English version or the good news. I'll just read it. And uh, does it make a difference if we substitute the word righteousness? God offered him so that by his blood he should become the means by which people's sins are forgiven through their faith in him. God did this in order to demonstrate that he is righteous. 
In the past, he was patient and overlooked people's sins, but in the present time, he deals with their sins in order to demonstrate his righteousness. In this way, God shows that he himself is righteous, and then he puts right everyone who believes in Jesus. And again, the justice does involve putting right, setting right. And to do that, it involves a revelation of God's righteousness. Okay, so um, it's a book I really enjoyed. It's called Stricken by God. It's a multi-authored book. And uh, Sharon Baker wrote uh, one of the chapters in that book on God's justice. And um, I liked it so much, I emailed her, and she wrote back, and it seems like a a really nice person. And she talks about this, uh, uh, our conception of justice in this chapter. And she's talking about retributive justice. While retributive justice seeks to fit the punishment to the crime, attempting to control wrongdoing through punishment, restorative justice, this is how she would kind of um, round out the meaning of justice, restorative justice, forgives the crime and seeks to redeem wrongdoing through a repairing of the relationship. At the cross, we see God turning away the opportunity to exact retributive justice and the demand for retribution, and instead, God would choose to forgive. At the cross, we come face to face with the shameful depravity of our own sin by coming face to face with the one who has the right and the power to punish, but who instead loves and forgives. In the face of human hatred and hardness of heart, God still managed to redeem. Can, can we see it's, it's that revelation of a restorative justice that made things right. Okay, so a last verse here um, in Revelation 19. I, I suspect none of you have read this with a translation of uh, justice, but I think it fits here with what we're talking about. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts or the righteousness of the saints. And if you go back to older translations of the Bible, the fine linen is the justice or the justification of the saints. Righteousness, justice. In this case, the justice here, it's it's a way of living. Okay, the fine linen, it is really living out a Jesus type of life in the world and um, in many languages. I'm sure some of you that speak other languages, just and right, uh, we can, uh, oftentimes it's, it's the same word for both of those. Okay, so I think next time we'll talk about Zechariah 3 if you want to read that chapter. Uh, it's, a, it's a real important one. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you again for passages or like this where we're talking about your justice that you've given so much evidence for us to consider and please help us to um, in a meaningful way live out your goodness on this earth help us to intervene in a world where so much is wrong help us to correct injustice in whatever way we can amen